The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, come on down. You're the next contestant on Talk is Jericho. That's right, Bob Barker, the legendary host of The Price is Right, is here on Talk is Jericho. He's talking about starting uh, his TV start back in the 40s, how he became host of one of the biggest game shows of all time, The Price is Right. You'll hear how his contestants were really chosen, some of his favorite moments on the show, as well as his favorite games. Bob's an animal activist, got his entertainment start in radio in Los Angeles, hosted a live game show as his first ever television gig. So many stories about the golden age of television. Bob's been in the show business for over 50 years, 60 years, and uh, you know we're going to talk about his guest appearance on Monday Night Raw when he was the guest host, and he and I went head-to-head. One of my favorite WWE memories, it's funny because we had all of these uh, special hosts for a while. It was like Saturday Night Live where there was a guest host every week, and there was a lot of bad ones. I don't need to say who they are, but my favorite ones were always Ozzy, uh, Mike Tyson, and Bob Barker. And at first, I thought Bob was going to get eaten alive because we were in Chicago. People know how the Chicago crowd, uh, you know, they don't take uh, fools lightly. And I thought, oh, they're going to eat Bob alive. But they did not. Bob had them in the palm of his hand within uh, minutes. And we had one of the best times ever. Go on YouTube right now and watch The Price is Raw, WWE Price is Raw, Bob Barker and Chris Jericho. And uh, man, what a great time we had. What a great, great guy. He did this show a few months ago. Bob is, get this, 93 years old. That's right. Bob Barker is 93 years old. You can hear from this interview. It was over the phone, which is rare. You guys know I don't like doing my interviews over the phone, but with Bob Barker, uh, you know, you, you make you make uh, exceptions to the rule. So at 93 years old, he's still very lucid, told great stories, and a true Hollywood treasure and a true Hollywood legend. And like I said, my favorite WWE guest host of all time. I remember standing face to face with him, and I was like, Barker, I'll take you on any time, any place, anywhere. <laughs> this was back in 2008 too so Bob was like 82 or 83 at the time had uh, had the crowd in the palm of his hand great great guy and an amazing story that he has I'm very excited to bring to you a true legend Bob Barker but first we're going to celebrate a legend in another field talking about wrestling and we're talking about Diamond Dallas Page celebrating his upcoming induction into the WWE Hall of Fame Dallas is going in Friday night before Wrestlemania you know I'm going to be there and to mark this incredible occasion such an honor he's holding a special Hall of Fame 
sale at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. He's so fired up about the Hall of Fame. He's given you all, all you sexy beast listeners of Talk is Jericho, 30% off the DDP Yoga Now app and 30% off all DDPY related merch. Okay, so celebrate with DDP by jumping on board the DDPY program and living a healthier life. You guys have heard me talk about what DDP has done for me and you're really going to hear it when the new Fozzie record comes out uh, very, very soon. You're going to hear it in my singing because I'm singing a higher, more powerful than ever. Uh, that's all based around the core, which is what DDP Yoga is helping with. That's another reason why I've had the greatest, some people say the greatest run of my career uh, in 2016 leading into 2017. Never in pain, never hurt uh, because DDP has kept me loosened up and keep me uh, fearless, giving me confidence. I'm really, really uh, happy with my work over the last uh, 18 months, happy with my singing, and a lot of that's due to DDP and DDPY. I want to thank him for helping me, and uh, I'm telling you right now, I'm urging you, you guys can do the same as me. Just pick up DDP Yoga, and the best thing is you can do it everywhere and anywhere. You don't have to worry about uh, going to the gym, finding out where a gym is, uh, getting your car and going. You can do it at your house. You can do it backstage at a venue like I do in my hotel room, in a dressing room. Just open the app and get it to uh, get get started wherever you are and whenever you want. That app makes it so easy and it's got a whole new set of workouts on it so you never get bored. The app's also got tips for healthy eating and recipes to keep you on target. It's everything you need to live a healthier life and right now, like I said, you can get 30% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all related melch at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's 30% off hats, t-shirts, yoga mats, heart monitors, so much more. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Remember, this is the biggest sale ever on the DDPY program. Take advantage of it, man. Celebrate Dallas's induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Celebrate uh, if you're a fan. Celebrate if you're a peer like I am. Celebrate if you if you believe in his work. Uh, get on the path to healthier living at the same time as well. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape of your life and do it today. Okay. Before we get to Bob Barker, there's something else that's been uh, kind of taking the, the wrestling world by storm uh, over the last uh, few days since it was discovered, since it went up on WWE.com and YouTube. I'm talking about Southpaw Regional Wrestling. Um, basically, what happened was the WWE was going through its archives. They buy all these uh, archives to uh, put on the network, and they found this uh, VHS tape from a uh, regional renegade promotion called South Paul Regional Wrestling. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's amazing stuff. And uh, South Paul Regional SRW is very excited about this, finally getting some notoriety, doing a lot of press, and we're very excited today to have uh, South Paul's uh, uh, infield correspondent, Clint Bobski, is here to tell us all about uh, South Paul Regional Wrestling. Uh, Clint, it's great to have you. Chris Jericho, very excited to be here to talk about Southpaw Regional Wrestling. What a great, great time it's been for the promotion over the last few weeks, over the last few days. From now, from this time, people are finally understanding what we have to offer. Some of the most exciting professional wrestling uh, in the Eastern Hemisphere was brought to you by Southpaw Regional Wrestling, and we're very, very excited to be here. Uh, Chris, I, I know uh, I know that you were a fan as a kid. I know that you're a fan now, and I just want to tell you that everybody who's been thinking about uh, checking out Southpaw Regional Wrestling needs to go now to www.com or go to YouTube and look up SRW Southpaw Regional Wrestling for the finest in pro wrestling action that you will find anywhere in the southern region of the United States or elsewhere. Well, Clint, I mean, I'm really excited about it, and it's a lot of fun to see. Um, tell us about some of the stars that that were involved in SRW uh, and some of the some of the some of your favorite moments of, of your time there. 
Well, Chris, I have to tell you right now that we are very excited because you've heard uh, now in the, in 1987 was a different time. Uh, we were competing with the WWF. Hulk Hogan was a, was a great champion. We had a great champion as well. The, the charismatic John Johnson, uh, who I thought should be called Jumping John Johnson, perchance, or, 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 or Juicing John Johnson, but he would never have a nickname. He just wanted to be John Johnson. Uh, uh, had a lot of charisma. Uh, well, didn't have a lot of charisma uh, actually had no charisma whatsoever uh, the kid was the shits but he was forced upon us uh, because uh, there was a little bit of a scandal he had some pictures of of, of people involved uh, with Southpaw Regional Wrestling including uh, Southpaw Regional Wrestling's commissioner Dr. Craig Armstrong uh, Smith III so he was uh, forced into a position an unfair position but uh, I mean man that kid that kid he, he, could, he could move he had a drop kick from the, from the second rope that would, that would knock your socks off but my goodness he had no charisma whatsoever and I'll tell you what you know what else his problem was he used to grab my microphone I didn't like it when I'm the backstage infield correspondent the backstage announcer nobody grabs the microphone ever that's my rule no one grabs the microphone ever and this 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 John Johnson son of a bitch would try and grab my microphone at all times and I just could not take it anymore I finally had to cuss him out on live TV you saw it uh, if you've watched SRW you see that happen I lost my cool I lost my decorum but that's what happens in the in the in the crazy world of SRW you never knew what was going to happen the finest professional wrestling action in the entire southern region of the United States well, another uh, fine uh, uh, kind of a, a feud that was going on was between Big Bartholomew and Mr. McElroy, um, who then conned Big Bartholomew into signing the contract to win back his farm. And then we find out that Big Bartholomew never actually uh, was, was pitted against um, Mr. McElroy. It was actually a swerve, and it was going to be uh, Mr. McElroy's creature from the sea, the sea creature. Oh, my goodness. What a, what a, what a denizen of Hades the sea creature was we still do not know where mr mcelroy found this 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 horrible monster this horrible creature you see him in srw uh uh, the look that he has the the face the face of a demon uh the body of a of an adonis uh the 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 green skin and the 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 face of of a lizard uh very scary stuff and poor big bartholomew did not know what he was getting into poor 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 uh catherine christian christian joy uh they they lost their farm to mr mcelroy uh in the end because you just could not defeat uh, you, you, big, big Bartholomew he could not defeat the sea creature I mean how can you defeat such, such a creature from, from Hades uh, we just couldn't understand where Mr. McElroy found this this, this horrible creature this sea creature uh, and in the end uh, Mr. McElroy ended up taking the farm of Big Bartholomew it was, it was a terrible thing uh, Big Bartholomew had, had to leave the territory he went up to Stampede Wrestling and worked for Stu Hart up there afterwards it was just a, a travesty of justice to see one of our biggest uh, biggest heroes in SRW who was doing it for the USA and he was fighting for all the southern countries so that means he was fighting for Brazil and, and, and South America and, and, and El Salvador Exactly, all the southern countries, everybody involved in the south, uh, Big Bartholomew was, 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 was for uh, He fought for the chickens, you see this, it was just a, a terrible travesty well, um, Clint, the thing is, we never got to see any of these matches because they were promoted for Lethal Leap Year. But in 1987, there was no uh, Leap Year. So at the end of Southpaw Regional Wrestling, you see that, that there's no show because there's no Lethal Leap Year. I mean, are you saying that that match still took place? 
Well, the, 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 the thing was is that the Lethal Leap Year uh, uh, closed circuit extravaganza was booked for the leap year of 1987, February 29th. And unfortunately, there was no actual leap year. But the good news was that we had an actual uh, show booked at the Legion uh, on March 2nd in Hog's Head. Uh, there was a free pancake breakfast before the show. We had a fine turnout. The first 100 kids that showed up got an SRW pennant. Uh, there, was, there was free parking. Air conditioning was included with the ticket. So we did end up having uh, what, what was considered to be the Lethal Leap Year show. It was just not a closed circuit. Uh, we, we did lose. Uh, we, we, well, <laughs> excuse my French, uh, my Francais. We, we lost a shitload of, of, of money. And, and basically the whole company uh, went out of business due to uh, the fact that nobody could look at a, at a calendar. Um, and it just uh, uh, it really kind of destroyed everything. We promoted for months and months and months. And nobody looked at the calendar. How can no one look at the calendar? I can only do so much. Why didn't uh, Lance Catamaran look at the calendar? Or, or Chet Cheddarfield? That's a son of a bitch right there. I never liked him. It was probably his job. To, to It was his job to book dates. It was his job to book towns. He didn't look at a calendar. I'm blaming Chet Cheddarfield for all of this. I'm blaming him for the for the demise of SRW. But we still did have the, 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 the big Bartholomew versus the sea creature in Hogshead. Uh, it was a fine show. We had a fine turnout to 150, uh, 175, uh, 65, uh, 37 people showed up, whatever it was. Uh, lots of pancakes left over, but it was still a good time for, for the kids. Had a great time. Uh, the, the families would just drop the kids off, and we became a, a damn daycare half the time with these little brats running around all over the place and jumping into the ring and bouncing up and down on the bottom rope. And I would have to say, hey, you damn kids. Get out of the, the ring. Get out of the ring, you damn kids. There's pancakes over there and, and, and free parking. So it just it just kind of it was a tough time for the whole uh, SLW promotion because nobody could look at the calendar. And, and as a result, we lost money and guys started leaving in droves. Tex Ferguson got in his Camaro and drove away. We never saw him again. El Barba Grande, uh, he, he never even got on the plane. Uh, we, never, we don't even know what happened to him. Never saw him. Sent in a, a hell of a highlight video, as you see. Mr. McElroy, uh, Big Bartholomew were there. The sea creature was there. Christian Joy was there. Uh, Pelvis Wesley ended up winning the battle royal to face john johnson but of course we never actually had that match because uh, the whole thing was just was, was canceled because we didn't have any money and it was just, it was a sad demise for for at, at, at our peak we were drawing 15 uh to 20 uh shows a, a month and we were doing at least 100 150 200 people uh, a show so you know that we had a fine fan base a lot of people in hogsburg kerbland uh, uh mobile there was a lot of people that would come see the show, cheer on, uh, cheer on our, 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 our stars, buy programs, buy popcorn. It was a golden era in the time for professional wrestling, and then everything fell, fell, fell apart. But now, finally, after all these years, we're getting a, a little bit more of a, of a, of a, of a, a, a notoriety. We're getting a comeback, and you can check all of this out uh, on YouTube and on WWE.com. And, and damn it, I miss those days. Damn it, I wish I was still there. Damn it, I wish there was still Southpaw Regional Wrestling. You're going to look at it with a tear in your eye and a smile on your face. So go check it out now.
What can I say? Thanks to Clint Bobsky for being here. Uh, if you have not seen regional championship wrestling, uh, Southpaw regional championship wrestling, go check it out. It's a, it's a hoot, as they would say. Lance Catamaran, Chet Cheddarfield, John Johnson, Tex Ferguson, Chad Too Bad, lots of uh, great performers. And um, it's something that you, it's a treat. It's going to be a treat for you. And it's also going to be a treat to have Bob Barker here uh, tonight, today on Talk is Jericho. And uh, Bob, 93 years old, uh, still one of the most legendary guests we've ever had and and what a great storyteller and uh bob barker come on down you're the next contestant on talk is jericho here it comes from the bob barker studio at cbs in hollywood television's most exciting hour of fantastic prizes the fabulous 60 minute price is right Four contestants on the Price Is Right. Now here is the star. The Price Is Right. Bob Barker. And Bob, I got to tell you something. You are completely punctual, totally on time, two minutes early, even. Am I two minutes early? Yes. Well, I'll call. I'll hang up and call back. <laughs> <laughs> but that's such a rare thing for show business and in Hollywood, someone to call in early. That shows the professionalism that you had from from do, doing this for so many years. That's right. I'm well trained. Well, I mean, and that's, I mean, I, I, it's funny because I had William Shatner on this show before and he was the same way. It's oh, like, was he? yeah, you, you come in through the system the way that you did and you learn how to be a professional at all times. And it almost seems like the, uh, the, the, the attitude of being late, like Hollywood people have, doesn't fly for, for guys like, like you. Well, I started out in radio and, uh, of course, every, it was a, a small local station. And everything was live there. And then my first uh, television show was uh, Truth or Consequences, which I began in 1956. And 1956, uh, everything was live. And when you do a show like Truth or Consequences, <laughs> <laughs> you have to be on the money. <laughs> So how was that? I mean, because like you said, in in the 50s when television first started, yeah. most of those programs were live. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. That's right. I used to be doing consequence. I'd wind it up and give the contestant his prize. Off he'd go. And I'd say, now, we have another consequence in just a moment. But first, and I'd step over and do a live commercial. <laughs> and then I'd step back to the... To the uh, uh, microphone and uh, and say, all right, here we go, our next contest, and so on. It was uh, it was an adventure, but it was the only thing we knew in those days, and we didn't know how much easier things would be in the future. And, and it's, let me ask you that because you, when you started, obviously it's it's before the advent of television. And when television first started gaining prominence and becoming a thing, what did you think of it? Did you, did you think it's something that could last, or did you think, what is this crazy new new contraption? How was that for everybody in the show business at that time? Well, my biggest thought was, I want to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> I came out here in 1950, out, when I say here, Hollywood, right. and uh, I didn't have uh, a job, and I didn't have an agent. I didn't have any 
so-called contacts of any kind. I was, I was a right candidate to starve. And uh, my wife and I loaded everything in a cattle trailer, and wow. out we came. And uh, I'll never forget, we arrived, uh, there's a mountain here as you come into the city of Hollywood that oh, you can look out over the entire city. <laughs> and we looked out there, but you couldn't see it. The smog was so thick. <laughs> and she turned to me and she said, Barker, what have you gotten me into? <laughs> but it worked out. So it was the, the, the famous story of you came to Hollywood to find your fame and fortune sort of thing? That's right, exactly. We came out here, uh, as I said, with absolutely nothing uh, in the way of uh, firm uh, commitments and Believe it or not, within two weeks, uh, we had a radio show and uh, on a small station. And eventually, we got it on the uh, CBS station, a local, just local, mm-hmm. not network. And uh, thanks to good Lord, uh, Ralph Edwards heard it. And uh, he had sold Truth or Consequences to NBC on television, a strip show, five days a week. And... He didn't want to do it himself, and uh, he was doing This Is Your Life at that time. Mm-hmm. And so he was auditioning hosts in uh, New York, and he was auditioning hosts out here, but he hadn't found the one he wa- wanted. And uh, it just happened. He was driving his uh, two daughters to school, and they turned on the radio, and there I was. And Ralph liked my work, and he called me, and uh, I went in for a series of auditions. And on December 21st, 1956, <laughs> at five minutes past 12 noon, he called me and he said, Bob, you're my man. And uh, every December 21st after that, he and I had lunch together. And at five minutes past 12 noon, we drank a toast to our <laughs> long, enduring friendship. <laughs> you know, I've hosted game shows before, Bob, and, and the audition process for a game show uh, is hard because you have to basically pretend that the show is on, but it's 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 very uh, intimidating because you have the heads of the studio looking at you, no studio audience, and it's, it's, it's a nervous process trying to but get it is, that. It is that, and I didn't do it just once. Uh-huh. I did about three auditions, and I had to audition for Ralph and his people and then well we better we had another audition for MCA they represented Ralph and then we had to do an audition for for uh, NBC and by the time I finally got that phone call I was uh, almost a blithering idiot I was <laughs> yeah I was so excited about this possibility I'd never done a national show and I thought man this is it I gotta have it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's such a great feeling when you get it, and but such a horrible feeling when you don't. Was there ever any shows that you auditioned for that you came close to getting, but you didn't? No, I didn't. After wow. that, any show I did, I was there was no audition. They they'd seen me on Truth or Consequences, and they either wanted me or they didn't. And that made you from that. Explain what exactly Truth or Consequences was, because that's one of the most famous game shows, but it is from the 50s and 60s. They haven't never really remade that show, as far as I know. Well, it uh, was based on a game that Ralph and his family used to play at their home, and he was growing up on a farm in uh, Colorado. Uh And uh, he ended up, he was uh, the the top radio radio announcer in New York. Uh, 
and when everything was live. And he was doing so many different shows that he had to have a driver awaiting uh, him always, and he'd go racing to the next show. Mm. And uh, he got the, he had the idea, he thought this game that he had played on the farm would work. He put it together, got it in a form for, for radio, and uh, he hired, uh, he had a producer and a uh, director and uh, an announcer and all that, put it all together, and most important of all, he sold it and got it on the air, and he was only 27 years old. Wow, okay. He was one bright guy. He was a fine host himself, and mm. uh, in addition to that, he was an excellent producer and a splendid writer. I, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, having him as a dear, dear friend over a period of years, and uh, it was one of the highlights of my life. Hmm. Now, who were some of the other game shows, like hosts? Was was, was game shows something that, that uh, at this point in time in television were, were pretty popular? Oh, yes. It was really a, a glory period. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember uh, Jack Bailey on Queen for a Day. <laughs> Joe Jolly Jack. <laughs> He'd get those contestants up there and... And uh, they'd start telling. Uh, well, at first they would they were they would tell some funny stories, but uh, why they wanted to be queen for a day. But somebody told a sad, sad story in one, and from then on, everybody would get up there and try to have the worst uh, life to tell about. <laughs> and Jack had listened to all this, and they they they'd, they'd probably start crying, and he'd dry their tears. There, there, honey, this is this, thing, you know, and. Jolly Jack, he he made it fun no matter how bad the stories were. Right. That was Queen for a Day. Art Linkletter, he oh. was doing his show. Art Linkletter was a top host, and uh, his wasn't really a game show. It was just a, a sort of a, an audience participation affair where he'd go out and talk with uh, everybody. And he was best known, probably, for his interviews with kids. Yeah. That was always his thing, because kids say the cutest things sort of right. thing, right? Right. Kids kids under eight, under nine, eight or nine years old or younger, they can be wonderful contestants hmm. if they'll talk. Right. But if you ask a kid, what do you like most to eat? He says, I don't know. Mm. Like, get away from him, because if you're talking with four or five kids, he'll ruin them all. <laughs> They'll all realize all I have to say is I don't know, and they're out of the deal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, uh, I, I learned to do it on on shows itself. I mean, by that I, you know, I didn't have anything. I was on national television the first time I interviewed a kid. Probably no, wow. I had I had it in radio when I, years before. Mm-hmm. But in any event, I thoroughly enjoyed children. On truth or consequences, we had hilarious consequences with. Uh, with kids, one—I uh, uh, don't know how much time you want me to talk about this. But hey, man, that, you talk about whatever you want. I'm loving it. Well, I'm loving uh, it. That, one of my favorite consequences of all time in, involved uh, kids. We had invited a, a little league team <laughs> to come to the show. Uh-huh. I mean, the, you know, the first ones, the very young little little kids, right? Eight, nine, ten years old, and uh, these boys. And uh, they came in their uniforms, baseball uniforms, always a big deal. And they didn't know it, but we had two girls planted in the audience who were professional softball players. 
they were a little older than these boys, but not much. Mm -hmm. And uh, one was uh, uh, the catcher, and the other was a pitcher. And uh, this pitcher, well, they were sisters. This pitcher was just unbelievable. She could throw a ball like you couldn't believe, <laughs> a softball pitcher. Yeah. So I went out in the audience before the show, and I looked around for the I wanted to find just the right boy for this, and I did. Boy, I got a winner. Mm -hmm. And I chose him to be on the show, and then I chose another kid from the Little Leagues to be on the show, Little League, to just to kind of make him think, well, he was, you know, it was just a thing where two of them were going to participate. Right. Well, they came up. Then I said, now I'm going to get a couple of girls. And as I said, these girls were planted in the audience, and so I chose them as if they I'd never seen them before in my life. <laughs> and... Uh, they came up. Now, this audience didn't know anything about any of this either. <laughs> we got them up there. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. <laughs> I took this one boy, the one I had really chosen as the victim. <laughs> and I said, I'll tell you what. We're going to play right here on the stage. Now, I said... Um, you are going to be the batter. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'll bat. And I said, now one of you girls is going to be the pitcher, and the other girl is going to be a catcher. And I said, now let's see. Maybe uh, I'll take you. You be the pitcher, as if I'd never known which one was the pitcher. <laughs> and she, I said, put her clear across the stage, and I put the, the catcher back there, and then I put this little boy up to bat. Uh -huh. And I said, all right, we're ready to go. Play ball. And this pitcher, I'm telling you, she wound up and she threw that softball. <laughs> It was like a streak of lightning, wham, <laughs> over the base, and this boy just stood there. And I said, well, why didn't you swing at that? He, he said, that's a phony ball. <laughs> I said, that is not a phony ball. And I took it from the catcher. I said, there's the ball. Look at it. That's the ball. It's fine. He said, well, then that girl has a phony arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Every time I think about it, it was just hilarious. This boy was so wonderful. Oh, God, we really had fun with that. But see, that's part of being a great host is you can you can uh, lay back and let the kid be the star. And knowing well, listen, that's... I'll tell you right now, I'm going to do some bragging. I was the best contestant selector of all time. <laughs> I could go out in an audience and we'd have something that we needed somebody just right for and I could find them. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hold one Plinko chip flat against the board and let it go. Here it comes. Looking Stay good. Right there. Looking good. Looking good. Oh, it's 
is the secret to being a good game show host, Bob? Is there a certain style that you have to bring to uh, making the contestants feel comfortable? Well, I think that, um, first of all, you have to feel comfortable yourself. Mm -hmm. I think if if you don't enjoy people and if you uh, are just there to get the thing over with, get your paycheck and get out of there, uh, it ain't going to work. I mm. think you have to enjoy it. And uh, well, you can tell from the fact that I could hardly tell that story that I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I thoroughly did. I, I never got up in the morning, ever, and thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to the studio today. I, I loved Truth or Consequences, which I did for years, and I loved The Price is Right, which mm. I did for years. And I thoroughly enjoyed them both. And uh, I think the, uh, the people... Uh, realized it and uh, they kind of joined me and, and another thing that I did that uh, I think was is very important and uh, and that is that during the commercials I stayed right on the stage and kept talking with the audience oh. and had fun with them and kept them up uh, some hosts will go off and uh, rest during the commercials and somebody else will be out there mm-hmm. and the audience kind of quiets down and by the time you go back you have to get them warmed up all over again i just i went from the time that i started i was on the stage and i had fun and uh, i think that's the important thing well and that rubs off on the audience like you said because you're Absolutely. setting the tone you know that's right another yeah. thing that, that i learned when i was hosting uh, that the producer a guy called ken warwick told me he's like you have to be the and you mentioned this earlier you have to be the shoulder to cry on when things go wrong you know oh, yes. <laughs> you, you're never making you f- when sorry I did truth or consequences there were plenty of opportunities <laughs> to cry <laughs> oh as i said everything was live right and if something didn't work for example well you didn't just say well all right cut the stop tape and, <laughs> and, and do it over again you lived with it and uh, we had things go wrong uh, one time we used to do what we called reunions mm-hmm. where we'd get some young serviceman back from overseas and surprise his mother and uh, or we'd get a, a husband and surprise his wife or we'd get two sisters or whatever mm-hmm and uh, bring them back together. And uh, we were going to do a really dramatic <laughs> reunion. <laughs> and we had this woman, some friends of hers helped us get her in the audience. Uh, she thought she was there on a tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had surprised her. We brought her son, uh, he was in the service, and we brought him back from overseas. And so we were going to have this tour that this woman was with come in to our studio in the back uh, and be backstage just as this uh, boy was to be introduced. Right. And so I, then I was going to get her out on stage. I was going to go over to them and choose one of the guy, people from the t- tour and bring her out on stage. And then all the lights, she and I are going to be talking, and all the lights are, are going to be go out, and one spotlight would stay right on us and the sun would step into that spotlight and surprise her. Okay. And so, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> what happened? Well, <laughs> we got the, I got the mother out there beside me, and then <laughs> we were ready for, to 
bring the lights out except for the spotlight and I don't know what they they whether they hit the wrong switch or what, but every light in the place went out. <laughs> now here we're on the air. Uh, it's live television, and there's not a you know it's a, it's completely black. And I had to keep talking, or I knew they'd think there's television sets were out. <laughs> and I kept talking, and uh, and I had fun with it, and got a lot of laughs. And, and uh, we finally got the lights on, but it was it was like a couple of minutes and that's a long time in the darkness well sure what are you saying like there's no lights well i i I didn't want to tell them that the boy was going to be there or anything like that you know i mean i didn't want the audience knew what we were going to do i set it up before i finally they got the lights on and we got the boy out there and we had a good reunion (laughs) but i got a, a letter that uh i loved I got a letter from some lady in the Midwest, and she said, Bob, you do your best work in the dark. (laughs) 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 Oh, it was funny. When you you started doing Truth or Consequences, you're talking about how TV started becoming such a a nationwide phenomenon. Did that catapult you to becoming a a very famous guy at that point in time? Well, no, I was... uh, I was doing what I did all my life. I was, uh, I had a show, a radio show yeah. where I did, it was audience participation. Uh-huh. And when television came on, of course, I wanted to be on television. Right. And television was so new. Here in Hollywood, I suppose in cities all over the country, there were crowds of people standing in front of, of store windows watching television. They didn't have television at home. Either. Really? Yeah, sure. It was new. It was new. Wow. Particularly when they were playing a football game. Oh, okay. And USC or UCLA was playing a football game. The street would be crowded with people who didn't have television sets. They would watch the football game. Sure. It was, I'm telling you, it was new. <laughs> <laughs> were they, were they uh, expensive at the time uh, to buy a television set? Yeah, I think they were pretty expensive okay. for those days. Gotcha. So only certain families could afford it, and the rest would just go, like you said, gather around and watch. Well, they, 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 they wanted to see what it was. It yeah. Was yeah. Completely new. And pretty soon, uh, uh, everybody had a television set. I t- tell you what, I was I had a commercial on television before I had a television set. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I used to have a, a friend. Uh, my wife and I lived in an apartment and upstairs above us. Rosie McCard was his name. He was a clarinet player mm-hmm. and uh, played with some big bands, and uh, he was playing with. Uh, uh, red nickels and his red and his penny red pe- nickels and his pennies or something like that mm-hmm. I think on, on uh, Hollywood name. Boulevard at the time, and he had a television set, and my wife and I used to go up and watch television <laughs> with them until we got one. Watch your commercial on his set. <laughs> no, no, we weren't. Uh, my commercial was live. Okay, gotcha. Because that's how commercials were. Like you said, there were live reads on the air. Everything was live. There was nothing to state. Let's talk about the advent of Price is Right. I mean, one of the biggest game shows of all time, still very, very popular. Was this something that you were involved in from the start, Bob, or did they call you in on the project? Well, uh, it had been on the air. Oh, okay. In radio with Bill Cullen as the host. Right. And it had been very successful. But it was not at all the show that I did. All it was was a group of contestants, say four or five, at a table, and they bid on different things. And uh, Bill had as much fun as he could with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, it went off the air. 
and uh, was off for a while. And Mark Goodson, who owned it, uh, he was brilliant. And uh, he was going to revise it for television, which he did. And uh, then and he had seen me on Truth or Consequences, and he wanted me to host the show. And I was still doing Truth or Consequences, but we were doing it in uh, syndication by that time. Mm. And I could do it because it was on CBS Network. Okay. And so uh, he invited me in to see what he had done with the show. And, uh, and he said, what do you think? I said, I think it'll work. And he said, uh, I think it'll work, too. But <laughs> we didn't know I would do it for 35 years. <laughs> I mean, But uh, it was uh, a hit from day one. It was a top-rated daytime show from the first day, and uh, it was a joy to do. It was fun to do. And incidentally, uh, now don't misunderstand me, Mark Goodson was always very generous with me when it came to money. Mm -hmm. But I found out, Bud Grant was the head of daytime at CBS at that time. And later Bud and I became friends. And Bud told me that he had told Mark Goodson that he would buy Prices Right if he could get Bob Barker to host it. Oh. And... If I had known that when we <laughs> talked money, right. I would have made a lot more money than <laughs> yeah. I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You hardballed him a I bit. I told Mark Goodson about that, and he laughed. He thought that was a great joke. <laughs> but that was a, a thing. I, like, I grew up in the 70s, so daytime TV was a really big popular thing. And oh, yeah. I, I remember I would watch Prices Right every day, especially during summer vacation. And like you said, it was such a fun show to watch. Here I am, like an eight-year-old kid watching prices right but it's fun it's fun oh yeah we had great fun on the show and uh, it was another show where you never knew what was going to happen mm -hmm. and we had uh, a lot of fun doing it how would you guys uh, was it really a random selection of the contestants or did you kind of no, know who you uh, what they did the line formed to come into the show well in advance and one of our producers would go out and just go down the line and talk with everybody there and uh, make some notes and go in and uh, make the selections. And he would try to choose people he thought would be fun. That was the whole idea. Because people would just go nuts. Like, that was always one of the best parts of the show because the camera oh, would be yeah. moving. Oh, yeah. Well, they didn't know their name would be called. Just zooming in on people. They'd be ah, freaking out. Yeah. I mean... What? <laughs> you, did you ever see the most famous incident in our history? <laughs> what is it? Well, I was behind the doors. I didn't see it myself. I was right. behind the doors when I was just before my introduction. Right. And Johnny Olson was the host at the time. Yeah. And I mean the uh, announcer at the yeah. time. And uh, he called the names of these various people. And he called this one pretty young lady's name. And she had a very low-cut dress. And she jumped to her feet and jumped up and down. And as she did that, both of them came in right out, <laughs> over the, out of her dress. And she didn't know it. And she came right on down. <laughs> and, of course, the audience was screaming. And I didn't know it because I couldn't see. I was behind the doors. And so Johnny then introduced me, and I came out. And I thought this audience was just, you know, loved me. 
<laughs> I thought, oh, Barker, they love you. <laughs> and uh, I, I finally, I, I realized no audience would ever like me this much. And I said, Johnny, what has happened out here? And Johnny said, Bob, this girl has given her all for you. <laughs> and I, 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 and he, 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 I knew what had happened. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> that played on various uh, occasions around the country. It was undoubtedly the most most famous single <laughs> incident in Bryce's right history. Were there certain contestants when they come up there, like, and obviously I, I, I can probably know the answers, that you want them to win because they're so likable? Just... Oh, sure. I always, I always wanted them to win. They didn't always win, of course, but yeah. uh, it was fun when they won, and I... I loved winners. What were some of the biggest winners on Prices Right? In money? Oh yeah, money or prizes? Like, was there one somebody that came on and just like every single thing that you could win that possible they won? Well, um, we had one game that we didn't play very often, on which you could win three cars, and we had uh, I can remember at least once they won all three cars. Wow. And that was pretty exciting. Wow, that's uh, I mean that that's that, yeah to think about that to be able to walk out with those prizes with some of those games too. Like, what, what were some of your favorite games to play, or for the audience to play? Well, I like that particular game because the, you could get just tremendous excitement because the way I would build it, we had three doors hiding behind each each door. There was a car, mm-hmm. but no one knew that. Okay, and so. Everybody came to the show hoping to win a car, I think. Right. And here I had this contestant, whoever it was, playing this game. And uh, I'd say, now I have a thrill for you. Look at this. You can win this. And they'd show this first car. And the audience would go wild, of course, like they always did for cars. And she'd get very excited. And I would build that just as much as I could. And then I'd say, now, in addition to that car... You can win this car. And boom, <laughs> there was the second car. <laughs> and now they're off the, you know, they're they're out of their seats practically. And then I'd say, but that's not all. You can win this. And boom, the third car. And by that time, the audience was just absolutely crazy. <laughs> and uh, it was a huge success, no matter whether she won the one car, two cars, three cars, or no car, because of the way you could build it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 if you build it right, by the time you got to that third car, the audience was, oh, the whole place was on the roof, practically. The show business element of it, here's got this, and then we got this, and then we got this! Bingo! Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> was there ever any games that, did, were, did you uh, have any idea for some of the inventions of the games? Or was that just guys, would, uh, like for the new ones that came out, did you ever have any ideas of, of games to play? Oh, I made some suggestions. Yeah, I can't mm. even remember what they were, but I had two or three, four games on the show over the years. Everybody did. Everybody came up with some mm. ideas, and uh, some of them were pretty good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Try to win some money on the big wheel, John. $2.95. I assume you're not spinning anymore. She's not. Let's talk about one of, one of your most famous accoutrements, Bob. Your, uh, your famous microphone. This... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was actually uh, very practical. Uh, doing a show, and particularly like Price is Right, where there was so much excitement and uh, the contestants were had so much to get excited about why they were all over the stage you know they they jumped back three or four steps or they'd do this that and so i had that long mic mm-hmm. so i could keep them on because they were the show they, you know their excitement we, we wanted to get every bit of it right i'd, I'd keep that i had that long mic so i could reach them when when they jump around like that and then beyond that it was long and was real skinny because we didn't want to block their faces. Oh. If they had a big mic, you'd block their face. With this skinny microphone, I could have it right in front of them, and you could still see their faces because their reactions were such an important part of the show. What a great piece of, uh, of, of trivia. I mean, that makes perfect sense. One of those, I had three of them, and uh, one of them is in the Smithsonian now. It's so synonymous. I can think of you and Gene Rayburn having those long mics, and that's like that's about it. Like it was created just for a game show host. It seems. Yeah, I haven't seen him on any other show either. It's classic. Like I, I want to see a singer of a rock and roll band using one of those one time. <laughs> <laughs> you and I met uh, when we when you were hosting Raw WWE Raw, and we were going through this phase of having a guest host every week. Right. And, and when you came in, and this is, I, I wrote this in my book, that Bob Barker was the best guest host we ever had in the history of Raw. Well, thank you. I, I'm delighted that you did that. And uh, incidentally, I was awarded uh, one of these, uh, it looks like one of the championship belts, you know. A Slammy or something like that? Is it called the Slammy yeah, Awards? Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, yeah, because I was selected that year as the, the best host they had. That's right. Well, I mean, and what, the reason why is we were in Chicago, which is notorious for having this hardcore crowd. They're always very loud, but sometimes when guests come in, they kind of like, you know, they boo them or just dismiss them. <laughs> <laughs> And well, I got the I got the championship belt because I wasn't booed. <laughs> you you weren't, but that was I was I actually sat back and watched a master class on how to work a crowd because I was thinking those guys are going to tear Barker apart, and you came out there and right off the bat had them in the palm of your hand. Well, I I'd, I'd been before audiences for a lot of years right. before I ever got out there. Yeah. That's what I mean, though. It was just such an amazing. Uh, I was like, wow. It was. How did you get involved with that? Are, are you, were you a wrestling fan? Are you a wrestling fan? No, I not particularly. Mm. Uh, but they just called me and asked me to do it. And you thought it'd be an interesting, uh, interesting. However, I know a lot more about wrestling than most people. I'll tell you why. Why? When uh, I got out of the navy and uh, went back to uh, finish college, I. Uh, was married by this time, and I wanted a part-time job. And uh, my father-in-law produced or promoted the wrestling matches in Springfield, Missouri. Mm. And uh, he had me run the uh, 
concessions there, popcorn and, and soft drinks, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I saw a lot of wrestling before I ever came up uh, to Chicago to do that thing with you. Wow. Do you recall any of the guys that were there at that point in time that were wrestling there? Well, I'll tell you who was there uh, before the rest of the world didn't even know him was uh, Gorgeous George. Oh, wow. Remember Gorgeous George? Absolutely. Oh, he was a showman if I ever saw one. And uh, he was there. Uh, I'll never forget one stunt he pulled. I don't know what happened, but somehow he actually got a little scratch on his face of some kind, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> they, they, this guy, oh, he made a big thing of it. His, the, the, his opponent would throw him down or so where, where nobody could see him. He'd reach up there and he'd sp spread the blood all over his face. Mm -hmm. So he looked like he'd been from the verge of being killed. And he had them absolutely out of their minds. He did. Some of those guys were pretty funny. Well, yeah, some, like, like you some said, of them were good athletes, too. Well, athletes and showmen, good entertainers. Yeah. Um, and what I, what I, if you remember this, when you hosted the, the Raw, we had The uh -huh. Price is Raw, which was we were doing kind of a Price is Right thing with some of the some of the guys and girls on the show. Right. And at the time, I was like this really evil bad guy, and it was very serious and always angry and really dropped into the character of it. <laughs> and I remember that you and I got face to face and I and I uh I got mad at you and I was like, Barker, I will <laughs> take you on any time, any place, anywhere. And you went, Chris, don't make me take you over my knee. <laughs> now, Bob, I am a seasoned professional much like yourself, but I almost burst out laughing and i remember thinking i can't well, laugh now, wait a minute you were uh, you were splendid <laughs> yes. and uh, i might add you uh, you had a beautiful physique and you were a very good athlete <laughs> i've talked about you that interview that i did with you down there in contestants row where we got we got without you i probably would never have gotten my uh, belt for the best host <laughs> we tore the house down bob because like i said i was this hated guy and no one could get to me except for Bob Barker and <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I told you I told you now listen I'm going to take you over my knee yeah. and spank you and I took and I had my I'd have about as much chance I would have going to the moon people were so into it they're like we want to see Bob Barker versus Jericho at Wrestlemania and I was like Barker I will take you on anytime any place <laughs> anywhere like like seriously like, I I want to fight Bob Barker. And people just <laughs> ate it up. They loved it. Oh, they loved it. Well, I'm so, why didn't you, I don't know how I, uh, we've been, have, I've done an, an interview with you before, haven't I? Well, never for my show, but we did a few things afterwards uh, on Raw, and uh, you made a couple, like, appearances and stuff like that. But yeah, that, that night was a tremendous night that you and I just really worked together to, to, to take that crowd on a ride. Oh, yes. I've, I've complimented you time after time uh, <laughs> to people about uh, how how splendidly you did that and got up there and uh, acted as if we were you you know we were really gonna <laughs> go, go out of it. If I, if, I had my uh, Price is Right name tag that said Chris on it, and I just had right. it on my on my chest, like on my bare chest. Right on and, your bare chest. And I 
and I took it off and I crumpled it up and I threw it on the ground. And you're like, Chris, <laughs> I remember the whole thing. <laughs> you better pick I that up, Chris. <laughs> I, I wish I'd, I'd known this and uh, <laughs> I, I would have uh, brought it up myself. Oh, yes, I've, I've complimented you. In fact, I've watched it and wondered about you. And here I am talking with you and didn't even know it. <laughs> we, I, need a better, uh, I need a better agent. They should have explained it to you better. You get your publicist and tell him, get with it. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Bob, now that you're not uh, performing with Prices Right in front of that live audience, uh, do you miss that connection with the, with the crowd? Yeah, I do. I kind of do. I yeah. do. People often ask me, what do you miss most about Prices Right? And I say the money. <laughs> but uh, that isn't what I miss most. I do miss that. Uh, I don't sit around and, and cogitate on it or anything like that mm-hmm. but i do i uh it was stimulating right it was challenging and stimulating and i think you need that in life well and you never know like you said you never know what you're going to get with that live audience no. and you have to really be uh, a professional and work with it to, to get them cheering if they're not to get them to calm down if they are whatever it may be you have to roll with it and uh Make the best of it. Yeah, the the uh, the instant gratification too of the live of the live crowd. You know, Bob, we're getting ready to wrap up here, but I just wanted to touch on the fact you've been very outspoken about about the treatment of animals, and that always became your thing. Are you still right. are you still very involved in that? Oh yes, I absolutely. I probably spend more time on animal uh, things now than I ever did, and uh, I'm happy to say that we're making huge advances. Uh, the animal rights movement, when I started, for one thing, it was mostly women. Mm-hmm. There weren't very many men involved. And uh, uh, over the years, I've seen men uh, become probably as, as involved as women are. And uh, animal rights people, they, they, uh, somebody say, well, he's an animal rights activist. Well, what is that? And they didn't even know. But mm-hmm. now... Uh, everybody knows, and uh, I I describe the movement like a huge snowball that's rolling down a mountain, and it's going faster and faster, and getting bigger and bigger, and uh, ain't nothing going to stop it. It's it's been heartwarming to see it happen. What was the the reason why you got so involved in that? Uh, like millions of people, I was just born with a love for animals. I. My first memories include animals. I always loved animals. And when I was a kid, I used to pick up strays, and uh, I would try to, if they were hurt or something, I'd try to nurse them or help them. It's natural for me, just uh, mm. like breathing. I love animals. Right. And a lot of people do. Right, especially now. So, And, and you've become the, 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 the face of that in, yeah. in so many ways. Uh, last question, Bob. How big was it when you did Happy Gilmore with the uh, famous line of the price is wrong, bitch? Uh, hilarious, hilarious uh, cameo from you in that movie. Uh, how did that come about with Adam Sandler? You know, they just called me and asked me to do it, and I said, sure, I would do it. <laughs> and uh, you say big. It, I did that movie, and... Every price is right that I taped after that movie was seen. There would be people in the audience wanted to ask me about uh, H- Happy Gilmore, mm-hmm. and particularly young men. Young men, they loved that movie, and, and they, they, <laughs> they'd say, could you really whip Adam Sandler? Could you really whip Adam Sandler? 
And I said, <laughs> I'd say, Adam Sandler couldn't whip Regis Philbin. <laughs> they loved it. They loved it. I don't know whether Regis has ever heard about that or not. And you know, the funny thing is, I would, I'd try, I'd say, Adam Sandler couldn't whip Monty Hall, or Adam Sandler couldn't whip somebody else. But they wouldn't laugh nearly as well as it. Regis Philbin got the biggest laugh. <laughs> it's a funny name, Regis it Philbin. Is. Regis Philbin. <laughs> Bob, I want to thank you for, for doing this today, man. Uh, you're on the top of my list of, of guys to talk to, and show business legend and a, and a great guy. Th- thank you for doing this today. Oh, thank you. And thank you for telling me how I, uh, about our, our, uh, our altercation. Uh, yes, I've, I've talked about that time after time with people and paid you wonderful compliments. And uh, here I am talking with you and didn't know it. But I wish you well. I hope you continue to uh, have great success at whatever you do. And remember, Barker, I will take you on anytime, any place, anywhere. <laughs> And you just remember, you'll have to catch me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. bye. (laughs) I want to be in shape, but I just don't have a lot of time to exercise. Does that sound like you, even though it was my mouth saying it? My mouth, truly, from the Team Tiger Awesome Show's mouth? Well, if it does, I want to tell you about a new weight loss program that's turning my life around. It's called Don't Eat Nachos. Over the course of 28 DVDs, you'll learn all about the process of losing weight by avoiding cheese on chips for one less meal a day. So if you're eating nachos twice a day, boom, we're going to bring your countdown to one and cut those calories in half. Eating on the plan could not be easier. Shake for breakfast, shake for lunch, nachos for dinner, no, have some sensible pizza or a fistful of gummy worms instead. It's time to take control of your life and not eat nachos quite so often. To find out more about Don't Eat Nachos and what it can do for you, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome Show right here on the Jericho Network. All right, subscribe to the Team Tiger Awesome Show uh, on iTunes, and you get all those hilarious fake ads every single week. This week, a very uh, timely uh, uh, subject is how to have sex with pro wrestlers. So there you go. It's hilarious. Go check that out. One of my favorite shows on the Jericho Network. Uh, and while you're hitting that subscribe button on iTunes, please also leave the Team Tiger Awesome Show a five-star rating and review. In fact, leave all the Jericho Network podcasts uh, five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes. I can't tell you how much that helps us all out. We love the feedback on the episodes. It also helps us with advertisers so we can keep giving you all this great content for free twice a week. So hit up iTunes and get yourself automatically hooked up to Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Uh, they got Raven on this week actually this week they have raven on last week this week they got a tribute to bad news allen bad news brown if you're a WWE fan from the 80s and what a charismatic tough dude this is you're gonna love the stories about bad news uh keeping it 100 with conan always killing it uh this week they had josh matthews on there hurricane helms of course disco arguing with everybody um it's just one of the best shows that i've heard and of course the latest huge smash hit the raven effect oh my goodness they're finally getting this all uh, figured out mr Skin is on this week uh, from the celebrity website, uh, Mr. Skin, and also uh, Busby Berkeley, Chad Damiani. Raven's got a great whack pack of his own. Go listen to that. And if you want to be terrified and get uh, get your uh, socks scared off five days a week, Beyond the Darkness on the Jericho Network, go 
check that out. The Paranormal Tales are going to drive you crazy. And just a reminder, Talk is Jericho participates in the Amazon Associates program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. You can link to Amazon at PodcastOne.com by clicking on the Killer Deals button at the top of the page. Go buy whatever you want, and uh, Amazon will uh, will take care of everybody, okay? And also, thanks to all my other great sponsors that you can find on the Killer Deals button. DDPYoga.com slash Jericho. Remember, you get 30% off the DDP Yoga app and all DDPY merch. The Books. Go to Books.com. Use the promo code Jericho to get 20% off your auditor and free weekday shipping. And to BetDSI, register at BetDSI.com. Use the promo code Jericho25. That's my last name. And the number 25 to get 25 bucks for free plus a 200% bonus on your first deposit. Go win some cashola. All right. Uh, thanks so much to Bob Barker for being here. Like I said, a true show business legend, a total gentleman, 93 years old. Okay. I hope I'm that lucid and that cool and that smart when I'm 93. Thanks also to Clint Bobsky from Southpaw Regional Wrestling. If you haven't seen it, go check that out on uh, com or YouTube. It is hilarious. Boy, taking you right back to 1987, uh, the regional promotions. And Clint gave us all the information on that. And uh, thanks also for listening to the uh, to the show. And keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and coming up on Friday. Another one of my oldest friends in the wrestling business, King Haku, is going to be here. What a great guy. I met him when I was working in Mexico. He took me under his wing. We were in Japan together, WCW together, uh, WWE together. Great guy. It's his podcast debut, at least his full-length podcast debut. I think he's done a couple shorter ones. But he is, uh, wow, what a, what a great guy. And ask anybody, the toughest man in the wrestling business, maybe even the history of the wrestling business, at least the modern day for my generation. Haku, King Haku is going to be here. He's going to be here on Friday. We'll, we'll see you then. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And remember, yeah, boy. Come on down. You're the next contestant on Talk is Jericho. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.